I'm Wilson Lai. I'm Benjamin Yap. I'm Eli Sands. You're listening to... Mm, you're listening to Deep Cut. <laughs> uh, <laughs> I can do it in a regular person voice. Do you want it? No, no, it's fine. <laughs> Keep it exactly as is. On Deep Cut, we compare a director's most popular film with a personal favorite chosen by one of us. We also discuss that director's life and career to bring in context that helps us view their movies as they may want us to. 2021 saw the release of many new movies by directors we've discussed before on our show. So today continues our... (laughs) Who wrote this? (laughs) <laughs> Today continues our Keeping Up with the Deep Cut Dashians. <laughs> well done. It was Ben. <laughs> In which we continue examining the new works by these directors. And Pablo Lorraine has a new movie as of this Christmas. Spencer. Oh, gosh. If you're looking for off-the-cuff takes, this is the place. And for a more in-depth look at the work of the Chilean director, please check our episodes on his movies, Jackie and Ama, in our episode backlogs. So, guys, Spencer bad. <laughs> We're talking about Spencer, are we? Are we? The movie's about as bad as my accent. Oh. <laughs> I don't know, Ben. That accent was that pretty good. pretty yeah. good, Ben. <laughs> oh, <fuck. laughs> Oh, uh, what to say? Can this episode just be five minutes? Like, it's, it's really... Uh, I, okay. I think, okay. Mm. <laughs> I saw it really early, right? I saw it really early. I saw it when it leaked or it, it dropped online the day that it, it was released on VOD. And I was, like, very excited because it was a new Lorraine movie. Yeah. I love Kristen Stewart. That's exciting. It should be good. Yeah. And I was, I was really hyping myself up with it. And then I watched it and I was like, oh, this could be good. Like, I, I can see <laughs> the good parts of it, right? Like, I think Stewart is pretty great. Oof. Mm, yeah. Go on. Go on. <laughs> go on. First, Continue. For, first Continue. note. <laughs> I just really like her way of acting where it's just like literally like every cell of her body is acting. Like it's just like mm. like twitch of the hand, twitch of the mouth, like every like small thing. It, it is so fascinating to me how she's able to just have such strict control over her whole body. The physicality of the performance really drew me in. And that is what sold me the most on the emotional core of the movie, if there is any. (laughs) (laughs) In Clermathon, framing-wise, it's great. Shots look really nice. I think Mm -hmm. the grading, they could have added a little more color back into it Mm. and a little more, like, contrast back into it. It it feels very washed out in Mm. a pretty unnecessary way. Mm. But Mm. the problem stems from the script. Mm-hmm. I don't know. What is this movie? What's this movie about? What is this movie? <laughs> Good cue, bro. Who the fuck's Spencer? I thought her name was Diana. <laughs> <laughs> what the fuck? <laughs> it's like you ordered a cheese fries where you got sweet potato fries. Yeah. But you got green beans. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, go around. Say one thing you liked about it. <laughs> okay. On the note of Kristen Stewart, I love Kristen Stewart. I think she's a great actress. I think here she struggles a bit. I think the accent is a bit of a wall between you and her. 
and I think it, it worked against her. I, for me, I like I couldn't see past her doing the accent, mm-hmm. and I think she does as much as she can with the script, but she's underserved by the way that she's filmed. Mm-hmm. Stuart's best when the shot is wider. She's really good mm-hmm. with her body. Like she's really good when she's doing things and like has time to do the film equivalent of stage business, like, you know, mm-hmm. where she can kind of embody the character. But because the film does so many of these close-ups where she has to do like very precise facial acting that she is probably not trained for because Kristen Stewart is not a trained actress. She is just Kristen Stewart. I read this great New Yorker profile about her. She's just trying to reduce the distance between her and the character. And I think mm-hmm. by filming her in this way, it makes it very difficult for her to perform in a way that she's more comfortable with. Mm. That was a thing that kind of worked against her because you have these really close close-ups and then precise frames. You have all these like centered close-ups and it's just hard, you know, like you need to have a certain kind of precision and clarity as to what specific actions and facial expressions you want to really pull those things off. And I think she just doesn't have that base. You know, she's somebody who works better with weird indie directors who are okay with chance and weirdness. Mm-hmm. Whereas here, this, despite it feeling like, oh, I'm trying to make it look like a home movie, it's actually very precisely constructed and framed. The best part of her performance is when she goes into the pantry and takes a bunch of cake. Mm, <laughs> that's great. There is just 10 seconds that you see her grabbing the chicken and the cake, and it's in this kind of medium long shot. And I was like, that's Kristen Stewart right there. Yeah. That's this moment where she's like trying to figure out which cake to pick. And I was like, finally saw the life come out of the performance. That was the moment. That's all I got. And the rest of it felt too much like a performance Mm -hmm. of Diana, you know? That's my defense for her. But honestly, yeah, it was not the best performance. Ben Wilson and I in our group chat lately have had a lot of conversations about the idea of the trauma plot and explaining away character pathology and psychology Mm -hmm. through a horrendous incident in a character's backstory. This is the opposite. (laughs) We are looking at Diana and saying there's nothing here really to explain her extreme paranoia, Mm. her psychosis, her hallucinations. And when that happens, you're taking a real life person and you're making a movie about her and saying, look how strange she is. She's going down to the kitchen and cramming her face full of chicken. She's hallucinating Anne Boleyn. She's trying to break into her old family home. Look how strange. This is a movie at the level of the script, at the level of the direction, as Ben's saying with the framing that emphasizes these wild eye movements that Kristen Stewart is doing. And I think even unintentionally a little bit at the level of the performance, at least as it's formed in the conjunction of framing and performance as Ben is describing, is something that becomes an object of salaciousness and gawking at Diana. Mm. It has none of the nuance or distance that Jackie had in terms of reminding the audience that this is not an objective portrayal. And it makes me wonder if we should let Pablo Lorraine continue to rifle around in the toy chest of history Hmm. for famous women to deconstruct. Because this is an abject miss in my book. It's odd because like, yes, we all know who Princess Diana is, but this film just decides to not give you any access into her character. Mm -hmm. Like, yes, it is going to be a fictionalization of the kind of person that she is, but then it doesn't care to explain and like give any idea of what the fuck is going on, like who this character is. Like, we're just supposed to take our concept of Princess Diana into the film, which I think is very strange because I was like, yeah, I don't 
know that much about Princess Diana. I don't really know. Mm-hmm. Like, honestly, I had to go Wikipedia. I was like, what's the deal with her and, and Prince Charles? I don't actually know. Mm-hmm. The film actually doesn't give you any of that in the text. Like, it's so fleeting that if you don't understand it, you're not going to get it. And then it becomes even more confusing. Like, as you were saying, like, like you're just like, why is she like this? And if you don't even understand the inciting incident, or you even know what it is, then how could you even fathom what is going on in her head? And it's ironic because it spends so much time with her, but then you don't understand her, which is just kind of a shame. In terms of writing, this thing is so, so on the nose. Too on the nose. Way overwritten dialogue. It's so overwritten. Like, putting the whole thing with Anne Boleyn in there, I was like, come on, like, this is just way too much. It makes me feel like I'm watching somebody write a movie about this. And then, like, every (laughs) line is too cute. Like, everything is, like look at how clever I am with the writing rather than look at these people talking to each other. And then, yeah, the writing is not good. (laughs) It's presenting a million metaphors about what Diana is from currency to a horse that can't be tamed to Anne Boleyn, the pool table. It is both not really giving you access as Ben's describing in ways that are convincing or make you really empathize with Diana, but it's giving you access in these very forceful ways like these metaphors these hallucinations, Mm -hmm. these memories intercut that are not empathetic key, right? It's looking at her pityingly at best. Mm -hmm. At worst, it's gawking and saying, look how messed up she is. I really don't like that. Mm. Especially when you're dealing with someone who really existed. Yeah. It's really impossible not to see this in direct comparison with Jackie. Yeah. Yeah. Although Jackie sort of... Like, you, you have, like, the immediate trauma there, right? That's the inciting incident. That's the catalyst for the movie. Mm-hmm. And I think the lack thereof, any sort of catalyst there uh, in Spencer... Yes. ...just really places you in a moment, and then, like, you're just, like, wading in that water. Yeah. And then the movie's over. <laughs> I, I was just really confused as to why this had to take place over one weekend, like a Christmas holiday. Like there was no reason, maybe aside from the fact that they wanted to be different from the crown <laughs> for it to like only take place over one, uh, like a small. It's kind of a bit of a writing stunt, right? Like you're saying, okay, yes. instead of doing a biopic, let me just do three days in a life of X person. Yeah. That is kind of a stunt and it can work if you pick three bloody good days. <laughs> or you craft three bloody good gay days. Like, okay, just thinking out loud, like a trashier version of this would like have you see what is everyone doing to her that is making her feel this way. But then she's not interacting with the queen, really. She's not interacting with anyone. Yeah. She's just in her own space feeling crazy. And the only people she's interacting with are the people who are serving her. And these are the people who are kind of triggering her. The police, the dresser, the the page that's like running around, like watching her. The chef. The chef, I, I can argue, is on her side. Maybe it's hard to say, honestly. It's just weird. Like, why is she only interacting with the people who are serving her? Why is she not really getting that many scenes with the people who are antagonizing her? I mean, you have scenes with the kids, but then it's like, it's oddly constructed. Like, everything is interior and then you don't have access to it. Those scenes are few but important. The thing that still speaks loudest are those moments where Diana is by herself freaking out. Mm. A scene that is a synecdoche of the whole thing is when Diana is mostly naked and covering her body and having a quiet freak out. And I think that's also when she's vomiting one of the times 
Mm-hmm. Yeah. Realizing that that's the context of the poster really, like, annoyed me. Because <laughs> the poster is gorgeous, right? Yeah, it and it is. came out and everyone was like, oh my god, this poster is so beautiful. The frame is actually really nice. <laughs> and then you realize that it's from, like, a moment where she's throwing up into a toilet bowl. That dress also is modeled after the one that the real Princess Diana wore to a premiere of a James Bond movie. Oh, what? Which is like, why? <laughs> what does that add? I think they just like the dress. I don't know. You know, there are certain parts which were confusing to me. There are two moments where she does something, but then the continuity of what's happening is not continued. Mm-hmm. The first one is when she tears the pearl necklace off and then eats the pearls from the pea soup. And then <laughs> later on, we see her wearing it again. And I was like, so was it just in her mind that she tore it off? But then you see her puking. So you're like, oh, but is she puking out the pearls? You're not sure. And then the other one is when she cuts herself after opening up the curtains again. And then there is no wound. It's like another thing that she dreams up. Yeah. I find that weird because like if you're going to contend with the fact that there were reports that Diana was self-harming because of the, the stress and anxiety, sure. But then what, what is happening here when you're presenting to me something that she allegedly did? Or if you wanted to just say that she did as a character in the story, sure. But then why is that thing like a imagined scene in Diana's head if it was a thing that is part of a character? These are strange choices that I just cannot explain. Mm-hmm. Or it feels like the whole thing is just cut off order. <laughs> when it comes to a moment like that, I try to really consider what is this doing to the audience experience, right? So if we see a moment like Diana ingesting pearls or cutting herself, and then later on we're told, no, that actually didn't happen. What that does is rather than put us subjectively onto Diana's plane through experiencing this as she does and taking it at face value, it takes the rug out from under the audience and says, no, that thing you experienced wasn't real. You can't trust Diana's perspective. And that is where it becomes an object of, again, pity at best, I feel it's more like gawking Mm. at Diana and her illness as the movie is portraying it. Yeah. And you have the comparison there with how in Jackie, she is the unreliable narrator, but that fact is debated and discussed when she is giving that interview to the journalist and like using that framing device to to have her tell her version of the story. Mm. Through that, you sort of like get a sense of who she is, right? Because this is her story that she's telling. Mm-hmm. Whereas with Spencer, like you don't have a narrative foothold there. Like there's no like the way of entry there is is not through diana at all you don't even get to see her until like scene three or scene four right Mm. she's not a person like it's not maybe they're too scared to really flesh her out as a real person because you're so it's so close in time to when diana was actually alive and when this was all happening and also the royal family is still very much alive and could i don't know take offense Mm. to how things are portrayed or something i don't know i mean they're like walking on eggshells or something but this really feels like they're really holding back punches and just making a movie but not really making a movie Mm. what wilson's pointing to in contrasting jackie and spencer here i believe is a problem of perspective Whereas everything in Jackie is coming from the mind of Jackie while also engaging with some critical distance on the directorial and casting level and even things like using real archival footage to put a veil between you and identifying with this as an absolute objective portrayal of Jackie. That's an intelligent construction that is essential to being kind of ethical when you're dealing with a biopic. 
In Spencer, there's none of that here. And there is a general sloppiness when it comes to the construction of perspective in Spencer. An important thing is that we are getting access, narrative range, and depth to characters other than Spencer, interrupting our ability to understand this as something that is subjective and open to interpretation and containing critical distance from the perspective of Kristen Stewart's Diana. You're getting access to Timothy Spall's guard page. Major. You're literally getting POV shots from his perspective as cars are arriving. Yeah. Why are we being put inside his head in that moment? That is something that comes at the directorial level. So even though we're pointing to the problems in the script, Mm -hmm. there are things that Lorraine is doing in the direction and camera placement that are really frustrating what could be a movie that empathizes with Diana rather than looks down on her. I think there's one sequence that gets rid of the nonsense and just tries to use form to evoke very loosely and impressionistically what Diana's feeling. Mm -hmm. It comes towards the end when she's Mm -hmm. in her old family house and we get all these flashes of different things. We get an interpretive dance from a ballerina dancing with Diana. You get to see Kristen Stewart running as Diana. As Wilson said, this is a full body, every atom performance moment when she gets to just Tom Cruise run across (laughs) the grounds. You see her running as a girl, a young woman, and as present-day Diana in the movie. These are things that make me say, okay, I think I see what Lorraine is going for. It's not trying to hem so closely to reality, but doing so sloppily. It is just using creativity to impressionistically create the mind of this character, construction of Diana. Mm -hmm. That's fine. And even if you think it's loosey-goosey or weird a disruption. It's the one moment in the movie for me that is not trying to be so literal or objective while also playing with things like hallucinations. It's just Mm -hmm. trying to be itself and not claiming objectivity. It's the one moment that works well, if you ask me. I agree. That moment doesn't work for me. (laughs) 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 I mean, I think just relative to the rest of it, like it's essentially trying to do the ending of Jackie. Yeah. This scene hasn't earned its place in the film, you know? That's my main hang-up with it. Like, it could be beautiful, but because of everything that came before, you're just, like, confused as to what it is. Because that scene only gains power when you know Diana Mm. and you understand her. You understand her, like, if she were a child, can I understand how Diana saw the world? I can't. You know, I know she was privileged. She lived very close to the royal family, but I don't have a sense of that. You know, I don't have a sense of her history or her relationships with anybody except her kids and even the child actors are terrible in this <laughs> <laughs> like i don't know her relationship to anyone and then the only person that they decide to cement a relationship with is the dress up played by sally hawkins which is also just an odd choice and then they have this weird revelation that sally hawkins is in love with her or maybe that's a joke i'm not sure yeah what is up with that it's not a joke but it didn't go over well yeah like what is that i don't know then I'm just saying that that scene doesn't work because the movie doesn't work. (laughs) Yeah. It's like dropping an entirely different thing into the movie. And even if that moment feels a little bit more convincing on its own, it doesn't mesh. Yeah. And you don't have the context necessary to really understand it from her perspective. It's more like Pablo Lorraine's imposed impression Mm. of this construction of Diana rather than even what this Diana is feeling, as I said a moment ago. Yeah. I think you're right, Ben. (laughs) I take that away. There's no sequence that works. <laughs> <laughs> Oof. <I'm> sorry. <laughs> I think, like, in the moment, that was the most emotionally engaged I was. 
it feels the most convincing, but under scrutiny, it still doesn't carry anything yes. of value or note yes. about this character. Definitely. I'm trying to imagine what's a better version of this movie. Like, if you were to say, like, you know, keep the three-day structure, how would this be better? Like, I don't know. Like, if you were to just think about it. Definitely drop the Anvil Lin stuff. <laughs> yeah, I think you limit it to Diana's perspective yeah. while also including some critical distance, not through the interspersing of other characters' perspectives, but by embedding in the creation of the movie, in the direction and the writing, reminders that push you out of Diana's perspective without it being things like hallucinations that make you gawk at Diana and experientially push her away from her. Like, the magic of Jackie is that it is emotionally convincing, and you feel Jackie's emotions, and intellectually, you're pushed out because you have jumps around in time in the editing, you mm -hmm. have archival footage of the real Jackie from a distance, you have recreations of old types of footage from the White House tour, you have all these things that are intellectually keeping you at a distance, but emotionally you're in. In this movie, you have neither. <laughs> I'm not emotionally in and I'm not intellectually pushed away in the right ways. Yeah. It's all muddled up. It's like Lorraine already did it right one time. What <laughs> happened here? I think the issue was started when he chose Diana. Mm. Too much baggage? A lot of baggage. And she like died a tragic death. Yeah. There was a lot of pain that was not publicly spoken about. Mm -hmm. a, a lot of like royal family politics that was very, very icky that still can't really be publicly talked about mm -hmm. so you try to make a movie that's saying something by not really saying things and this is what you end up with mm. yeah it's not the right time it's not it's like it's <laughs> never the right time like i was like i don't know but the thing that felt a bit tasteless to me in this one is that it plays a lot with the conspiracy that the royal family killed diana yeah like, not figuratively, but literally. I mean, the Anne Boleyn stuff is the most direct thing where they're, like, insinuating that she might have died because the Queen ordered it. And they keep playing with this idea that, to me, feels so, like, tasteless. Like, what the fuck is the point? Like, they keep winking, like, oh, she, you know, she's gonna die in a few years, which is so weird. Hmm. You tell me to focus on the three days. I'm trying to focus on the three days, but you keep telling me to remember <laughs> she's gonna die in a few years. Like, what the fuck? She doesn't know this. Nobody knows this. Hmm. And why are you, like, trying to fan the flames of conspiracy? Like, I don't understand. Hmm. And I found that to be very strange. Yeah, just really odd. Honestly, if I were to, like, think about what kind of movie I would have watched, sticking to a strict three-day time period, I think we need to see the dinners. I think we need to see the conversations at the dinners. We need to see the interactions between the royal family and everybody and, like, creating the idea of what this family is like mm -hmm. to understand the relationships between everyone. And then you can, you know, have an idea of why Diana is the way she is, whatever way you want her to be. Yeah. I think if you, like, used each dinner or each occasion as a set piece, that would be so interesting. You can have a dinner, you can have a dance. I don't know what else they do for fun there. Maybe they play bridge. I don't know. The weird British people. <laughs> they have a tea party. I don't know. But, like, if you had those, like, little things to kind of anchor the three days and then, you know, you feel like you can feel the passing of time of the three days, then I think you would have bones to put this story. But right now, this story has no bones. I think you're hitting the nail on the head, Ben. It's all flash. This movie's head is in the clouds. It's showing you the most salacious, ooh, 
kind of things. Yeah. It's showing you the hallucinations. It's showing you impressionistic little asides. It takes those big points of her public persona, like her publicly speaking about the bulimia she struggled with, and makes those giant flashy moments out of those without any of that grounding. We're not seeing things in real time at all. Even Jackie pauses to show you some things in real time before jumping ahead. And we don't have grounded conversations that give us some footing in what is the reality of this world? What is Diana actually experiencing day to day? There's no quotidian here. Mm -hmm. And when the movie tries to slow down and do that, it can't because the dialogue is so overwritten. Mm. Think about the moments when Diana's talking with her sons. Even when they try to play a game, it bridges into like, why are you sad, mommy? I can tell you're sad. The past is not the past. It's the present. It's always here. No one talks like this. No kid talks like that. And the movie wants to try to have moments where people are talking realistically to ground itself, but it is incapable of doing so with this script. Mm -hmm. There is no bones. The Greenwood score is nice. Even that. (laughs) (laughs) It's definitely not his best. It was a new take for him. I hadn't heard him do this kind of free jazz style, so that was nice. But as the runtime went on, it felt really distracting. It's pretty oppressive. Yeah. It's all over the thing. Like, why is this here? Yeah. Lorraine says that this is the second in his trilogy of... Is he really doing another one? Famous woman. I thought that Emma was a part of this trilogy, but I guess not, which sucks. Emma's not a famous woman. Yeah, she is. Yeah, she is. <laughs> what are you talking yeah, about? What are you talking about? Yeah, she is. <laughs> Emma from Valparaiso, right? You don't know her? Emma from movie? Nobody watches movie. <laughs> hey, movie, you can sponsor us now. <laughs> I love you, movie. Yeah, let, let's just hope, because this, this movie is really riding a, a critical wave like people really like this movie mainly for stewart's performance i think yeah it's a producing stunt the whole thing is a producing stunt Hmm. yeah it was very oscar baity not to say that jackie in its creation was was it was not was not not oscar (laughs) baity shit sorry (laughs) the idea to make something like jackie is a bit of an oscar baity kind of thing but i mean if you stick to landing it's okay it's on the execution yeah 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 exactly yeah, I just hope that he makes a good decision of who he's going to choose. I heard rumors of Britney Spears. He shot that down. Oh, really? He shot that down. <laughs> Which I think away. that's really yeah. funny. <laughs> I think it's funny, but I I think that would be in even poorer taste. Yes. It's too yeah. close to now. <laughs> Like, really, really poor taste. Each movie in this trilogy goes increasingly too soon. (laughs) (laughs) Unless he gets, like, Britney to play herself, which I think that would be really, really, really fascinating. Full (laughs) Yeah. I I don't know. I don't know. I this makes me a little worried. And I really do hope that he's making this not just for the sake of like making a movie about a tortured woman and mm. <laughs> and actually finding connection with these people as people. Well said. Yeah. Even approaching this as a trilogy where he has to find another historically misunderstood and oppressed female public figure feels a little weird yeah like why so much pain right like Mm. (laughs) i'm thinking about this conversation we're having about the trauma plot and i think spencer is really interesting because it's like an inversion of the trauma plot where the trauma hasn't happened and the trauma is not her personal trauma it's like a global trauma about her death and I mean, even though it's an inversion, it feels like a similar approach to the story, right? You're trying to say that in a weird way, this film is trying to make you empathize with Diana, the character, because she's going to die. 
mm. which doesn't make sense. That time doesn't move backwards. You know, weirdly, <laughs> I didn't really think about her death in this movie. But I think they really wanted you to. <laughs> There's a few moments where they really like spelled out the Anne Boleyn thing. Yeah. Yeah. She's like, she, she got killed. Yeah. She got killed. Yeah. <laughs> I got nothing. Spencer left a speechless. Put that on the poster. <laughs> yeah. Deep cut pod. Great amphibole. I hope that he does a little like switch. You know how like after Jackie, he's like, "No, fuck this. I'm gonna make Emma." Like I, I hope Spencer brings a, another "fuck this, throw the book out" sort of movie for Lorraine. Maybe you should do Men again. <laughs> <laughs> I haven't seen any of the films, but where he's centered on a male protagonist yet. Yeah, I still haven't either. <laughs> yeah. Oh wait, that's not true. No, you did saw Neruda. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, and you didn't like that either. Neruda. Okay, wait. <laughs> <laughs> No more biopics. <laughs> yeah. I'm okay with banning Lorraine from biopics after this one. <sighs> I just need a better writer. I don't know. Yeah. yeah. Although funny enough, I went to look up who wrote Jackie. Noah Oppenheimer, who is notoriously not a great guy. He defended, I think, Harvey Weinstein. Oh, is it? He also wrote The Maze Runner and Allegiant, part of the Divergent franchise. Lol. <laughs> so, wow. Pretty interesting career this guy has. Get you a man who can do both and also defend Harvey Weinstein. <laughs> Yikes. <laughs> Yikes. Uh, Thanks for listening. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. This can be a brief one. <laughs> Let's wrap it up. <laughs> Thank you for listening to this episode of Deep Cut. Please rate and review because that helps us keep making the show. Be sure to subscribe to us where you listen to podcasts so you'll know when our next episode drops. Keep up with Deep Cut on Twitter and Instagram at Deep Cut Pod. Join us to talk about our movies on our Discord server, to which you'll find a link in the description. Thank you to Justina Yam for our beautiful artwork. I'm Wilson. I'm Ben. I'm Eli. Take care, and we're looking forward to talking about more movies with you next time.